You are listening to the Mental Gains Podcast. I am co-host Matt Russell. And I am co-host Verna Mullins. I am a producer, a musician, and a peer support specialist at the Connection Center in Bowling Green, Ohio. I am also a proud member of the sober community. I am the manager of the Connection Center. The Connection Center is a psychosocial rehabilitation and peer support community. I have been working directly with individuals with mental illness and addiction for 22 years. And in our line of work, Verna and I encounter an infinite amount of stories that are so powerful about people battling mental illness, addiction, and what they do to overcome it. And that's what this podcast is. It's a platform for the folks of Northwest Ohio to share their stories. In every episode, we will be tackling a mental health issue like substance use, grief, trauma, or depression. And along the way, we'll also be hearing from mental health professionals who can pass along their resources and information. Later on, we'll be hearing from Beth Martin and also from Jessica Hartman. Jessica is the executive director of NAMI in Wood County, and she'll share that one out of five Americans is suffering from a mental illness. And a lot of folks aren't getting the help that they need largely because of a sense of disgrace or brokenness surrounding what it's like having a mental health diagnosis. Stigma, essentially. This episode is about stigma. I think the biggest stigma that I've faced is... Um, stigma. Because of stigma, I didn't get help until I was in my mid-30s. I was being treated for an anxiety disorder and depression. The first um, question they always ask is, am I on my meds? Have I taken my meds? And it's really frustrating because it's kind of invalidating of like my feelings in the moment. Or sometimes people don't like it when you're on meds. Those pills are just crutches. Get yourself together. Well, you need to relax. It's all your anxiety. Snap out of it. I felt ashamed because they tried to hide everything about my illness. She did not want me to visit my mother. She yelled and slammed down the phone. Because of my illness, they think, well, with that kind of illness, you're someone who's going to do something violent. And it's not really true. I would never hurt anybody else. My first panic attack, I called for an ambulance for a rescue squad. They sent out a canine unit, um, drug-sniffing dogs, because they didn't believe me that I was having a mental health issue. Yeah, I remember being uh, taken to the police station for mental health reasons, and <laughs> being mocked by the staff that was supposed to coordinate my transport to a hospital. When we are brutally honest with ourselves, stigma is just BS. And it sucks completely. Verna and I sat down to talk with Beth Martin, a consumer of mental health services in Wood County, about stigma. And right off the bat, we think our listeners will get a feel for how authentic and how sweet Beth is. Here's Verna explaining to Beth why we think she's a great candidate to speak on this. Part of the reason why we chose you is because you have a hope in the way that you speak. And so we feel like that will get across because we um, the podcast needs people to have that hope to get mm-hmm. help. So You're a good mental health advocate. Um, well, I hope I can live up to that. <laughs> well, honestly, Beth, we hope we can too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, Beth started with a quote from the Dalai Lama, and the quote is so perfect to start the interview off because it highlights the way that Beth had to redefine what it looks like to lead a worthwhile life. Quote from Dalai Lama about what kind of people the world needs. According to Goodreads, the planet does not need more successful people. The planet desperately needs more peacemakers, healers, restorers, storytellers, and lovers of all kinds. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I've embraced that. It took Beth years to finally figure out what success meant to her. This is part of her journey. I was very conflicted when I was young, and it slowly unraveled. I can say I was a mentally ill child. I was a outcast. When I was in high school, I can remember my parents said they went through my bedroom looking for drugs. And I said, drugs? Who would give me drugs? I don't even know anybody. <laughs> my sister and my parents had just had kind of standards for what you were supposed to look like and how much you were supposed to work, these uh, professional jobs and my image of success in the world, my shame, not knowing what to do to become successful, not having boyfriend or children and um, it made it hard for me to be open to therapists and friends. It, I really felt stuck. Uh, as a child Beth was really scared and she felt alone and she was confused. Um, she didn't at that time know what her diagnosis was. I have low motivation due to schizophrenia. Some mental illnesses have low motivation, also called avolition, A-V-O-L-I-T-I-O-N. And I have, I was in such conflict with my parents over my disorganization and low motivation. They just thought, you know, I was being bad. Why are you acting like this? This is not... You can't act like this when you're an adult. And in early adulthood, in college, Beth started having these escape fantasies, she was calling them, of scenarios where she is successful. She does have the dream relationship, the dream home, and um, it really just kind of another form of denial for her was these escape fantasies. Yeah, I would say I was really lost in a dream world. So my diagnosis for the longest time has been schizoaffective disorder, which is schizophrenia as well as bipolar. So I can have manic episodes which turn into a psychotic break. And I can have psychotic thinking. Any spiritual stuff I'd ever read about, and I read about a lot of wide-ranging spiritual information, was just coming true for me. I was talking to ancestors and getting, trying to work out Bible ideas. And so when I get psychotic, and I've been psychotic numerous times now, 
I'd say I enter the spirit world, or I used to. And like, on my phone, if I'm playing a music video, the, uh, the characters seem to talk to me and do things I don't know if anybody else could see them doing. And on the television, I get messages, and I look into a light, and communicate with these different voices and stories and very psychotic and delusional but it seemed real to me and after describing her symptoms and her diagnoses she talks about the role that these expectations expectations that came from her family from society from herself even to be successful when she didn't attain those guidelines for success, she felt awful. She felt defective. She felt like there was something wrong with her that couldn't be fixed. And so that developed into a self-stigma that delayed her seeking treatment. We get these messages from our family and society and wherever else that it's really wrong not to be a successful economic person mental illness is a bad thing and there's a lot of stigma towards people who wear thrift store clothes and their medications make them obese and they can't afford expensive makeup and clothes and perfume and hairstyles. What I learned from a therapist is that it doesn't matter what others think of you. I've been able to be more extroverted Because as I say, it doesn't matter what they think of me. I just want to show them some loving. Beth ends the interview going back to where she's talking about the Dalai Lama quote and how to be a successful person. You don't have to have money, but you can be a lover and a healer. And that's what Beth is, and this is how she explains it. And I want to point out, too, to our listeners that Beth probably said three podcasts worth of inspiring um, sayings, uh, phrases. I I mean, it it was really special sitting down with her. Um, She could have a book out. (laughs) She should have a book out. I believe in forgiveness, grace. Holding space for people is a really big thing that... I want to be able to do. So I would say experiencing the pain that I've gone through has given me more empathy towards others who may be in pain. I like to treasure hunt in other people, looking for their, their positive attributes, their talents, their gifts. I've come to believe everyone has a different brain and a different pathway and that everyone has something to offer. Mental health is affecting every human being alive. And at certain periods of our lives, even the healthiest person has bad mental health. If you can be aware that if you learn the lessons that are appearing to you, um, if you don't learn them immediately, They're going to keep repeating until you face them and overcome them. 
And I kind of took the stance that as these lessons appear to me, I want to learn these lessons and then maybe I can help others to, um, when they're facing similar things, I could say, well, this is what I did. Today we have Jessica Hartman with us. She is the executive director of NAMI Wood County and NAMI stands for National Alliance on Mental Illness. Thank you for joining us, Jessica. Yeah, thanks for having me. When we were deciding who to interview on stigma, NAMI was kind of an obvious choice for us because many of your programs address stigma and provide mental health education. You guys even have a podcast called Stigma Busters. Uh, Jessica, could you tell us more about NAMI's mission? Yeah, sure. NAMI's mission is to support, advocate, and educate individuals affected by mental health conditions. And so um, what that means is we work with family members, we work with individuals that are living with mental health conditions, we provide all sorts of free support groups and educational classes. We do a lot of education in the community to um, alleviate the ideas about mental health conditions and mental illness and what that means. And so in order to alleviate stigma, you can provide education. And so that's kind of what NAMI's mission really does and stands for. Mm. And what kind of programs do you offer to the community? All of our programs that, um, or most of our programs that we provide are peer supported. Um, Meaning if it's for an individual that is living with a mental health condition, it's facilitated by somebody that's also living with a mental health condition. If it's for family members, it's facilitated by a family member. We also have support groups and classes for parents and caregivers raising kiddos that are living with a mental health condition. And so new things that we have going on, we've really expanded the programs that we are providing for parents and caregivers. Um, We're still doing mental health first aid trainings. We also have curriculum for fire EMS. So we have a curriculum for rural counties in rural communities. And so we teach all of those curriculums for mental health first aid. And we've really expanded our crisis intervention team program, which I know you all kind of partner with us on that because you allow us to come and tour your facility. And so we do different curriculums for the CIT training, for fire EMS, for dispatchers, for behavioral health clinicians, and we're working on one for court staff. And so some of those programs are just really growing a great deal. And by doing all of this different kind of targeted education in the community for different targeted populations or targeted education on specific topics within the mental health field, we're really helping to address stigma and the ideas people have towards individuals that are affected by mental health conditions and what ideas they have for people that may be in mental health crisis. And you've been there for 15 years now. How would you say the conversation around mental health has changed in that time period. As far as their attitudes towards individuals living with mental health conditions or just mental health in general, we have seen a great deal of a shift. Um, 15 years ago, 
I would say, this is what I do for work, and then people would quickly change the topic. And I was at a graduation party on Saturday afternoon, and I had mentioned to the person that I was speaking to that this is what I do. You know, I advocate for individuals living with mental health conditions. I do a lot of community education. And she just shook her head and said, you know, that's so needed. And then we had a brief conversation about it. And so this shift and this idea that it's okay to talk about mental health, it's okay to talk about mental health conditions. You know, one in five people are affected by mental illness. And one in five people are living with signs and symptoms of a mental health condition. It's more common than people actually realize or talk about. And so when we start having more conversations and being more open to talk about these things, that in and of itself is really alleviating stigma too. And I I definitely benefit from the type of work uh, NAMI does. I am in recovery from drug addiction and alcoholism. And I do feel comfortable being quite open uh, about it in public with my family, with my friends, with my coworkers. And maybe I wouldn't have felt so comfortable doing that 10, 15 years ago. What do you think are some of the programs that have been most impactful in furthering this cause? I mentioned earlier the CIT program or the mental health first aid training. Those were graduating, you know, anywhere from 12 people to 30 people each time. Um, We've collaborated with the university and different first responders around the community. So I think those are some of our heavier hitting programs. Then we've also partnered with some of our schools in the area, even some of our private schools like St. Aloysius and St. Rose up in Perrysburg to do the Ending the Silence program. And that's really a neat program in teaching. I think it's great five, it can go down to up through grade 12. We try and keep it more like grade seven through 10, though. We teach them a little bit more about what it's like to recognize some signs and symptoms of mental health conditions in themselves or in others, and then encourage that help-seeking behavior so they know who to go to for help and how to start that conversation and how to really approach somebody, a trusted adult is what we call it in that program, for getting help for themselves or their friends or their the person they're concerned about. And so really starting those conversations really young so they get used to hearing some of these things. And so by the time they're an adult, it's a little easier to have some of these conversations. And it's a little easier to reach out for help because they've had these conversations since they were much younger. And I think that one is a really neat program um, when it comes to addressing stigma. But yeah, I would say our community education programs are the ones that really impact stigma the most because we're teaching people that aren't personally affected by mental health conditions per se. Usually the people that come to those trainings, sometimes they come and they have uh, an immediate family member or they themselves are living with a diagnosis. Usually it's people that, oh, I have a cousin or I have an uncle, somebody that's usually kind of distant or a colleague. And they gain this, you see the light bulb click and it's really neat. They gain this idea of, oh, this is what they're really going through. And that's kind of a neat switch to see when people have that. Um, They truly understand and can almost empathize with that situation. Mm -hmm. And what about folks who are supportive of our cause, but maybe they feel like they don't know the correct words to use or the correct terminology or they don't want to offend folks? Any advice um, for them? Shortly after I started at NAMI, 
NAMI National started putting out some information and advocacy and language that we use and how words matter. And so NAMI really pushes the person first language. So we see a person first before their diagnosis. Um, that person is not per se a schizophrenic. They're a person living with schizophrenia. And so it's important to really delineate and understand that person first language. They're people first. We're people first. We're all people. And we don't do that necessarily for people that are living with different medical diagnoses. So why should we do it for people that are living with a mental health diagnosis? That and the other thing when it comes to how we talk and if it's going to offend somebody, sometimes just asking the person themselves, like, hey, this is the term that I use. I'm not sure if you prefer this or not. Um, We talk about autism a lot in our family because um, my oldest son has autism. And there are some people in the autism community that prefer to be referred to as an autistic adult or an autistic person. And so honestly, it's just personal preference sometimes is what it boils down to. But I think the important part is we're all people and we're all gonna be individual people. And so err on the side of caution, but also it doesn't hurt to ask the person themselves that you're talking about or talking to. And Jessica, how can people learn more about your programs and get involved? You can go to our website at www.namiwoodcounty, which is N-A-M-I-W-O-O-D-C-O-U-N-T-Y.org. So yeah, our website's probably the one-stop shop if you want to get everything, but we do have everything linked to all of our social media accounts. So we do have, um, at NAMI Wood County, we have Facebook and a Twitter and a LinkedIn. And so it'll all get connected back to us in some way, shape, or form. Listening to the last part of that segment with Jessica, where she's talking about ending the silence program, it makes me wonder about if that program would have existed during Beth's time as a child and how that could have impacted her life. It's just another example of how things have improved in the last 15 years, and hopefully it will just get better from here. I hope so. Thanks for tuning in to the Mental Gains Podcast. I am Matt Russell, co-host, producer, and I also made the music for the episode. And I'm Verna Mullins, the co-host and co-producer. The executive producer is Chris Pfeiffer. And big thanks to the guests today, Beth Martin and Jessica Hartman. Hit us up at wgte.org slash mental gains. Bye. If you or someone you love is in need of emergency assistance, please contact the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Call or text 988 or 911. WGTE. Voices around us. WGTE is supported in part by American Rescue Plan Act funds allocated by the City of Toledo and the Lucas County Commissioners and administered by the Arts Commission.